Um, Jesse, you and I have known each other for uh, approximately 80 to 100 years. Yes, the length of a, a full person's life. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Working It Out. That is the voice of the great Jesse Klein. Uh, you might know Jesse Klein. If you, if you saw Sleepwalk with me, she's the person who sprays me with tomato sauce and puts a pizza pillow around my neck. That is not what she's most well known for. Uh, she is a brilliant... Uh, writer, actor, stand-up comedian, someone I've known forever. Uh, we're re-airing this episode from last year because it's one of our uh, Working It Out favorites. And also, uh, Jesse's book um, has been nominated for a Penn Award. Her book is called I'll Show Myself Out. I love this book. I, I couldn't recommend this book more highly. Um, it is on the long list for the Penn... This is a long one. Penn Diamondstein... Spiel Vogel Award. <laughs> That's harder than Berbiglia. Uh, for the art of the essay, along with David Sedaris and a bunch of other brilliant folks. Anyway, we have uh, we discussed the book here on the episode. I've known Jesse forever. I was thrilled that she came onto the show, and uh, I think you're going to love this one. Oh, by the way, I'm on tour. Uh, a couple of dates I'm making up from the fall. Mesa, Arizona on March 16th. Salt Lake City. On March 17th, only a few tickets left. I'm going to be doing some working out sort of new material shows in the spring. And uh, I have have just a few cities. Um, Sign up for my mailing list on burbigs.com. That is how you you will be the first to find out about those shows. And enjoy my conversation with the great Jesse Klein. I think one of the extraordinary things about your career, and I always use you as an example when people are like, I want to go into show business. Should I have a day job that supports my aspirations uh, or should I work in show business as try to be an assistant and an executive and this and that? You d- did seemingly the undoable, which is you were a Comedy Central television executive and you pivoted into being a writer, author, creator. Well, you know, someone's got to dream the impossible dream. That's right. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I choose me. No, uh, it, yeah, it's a, I have a very weird path. I think like um, if I was going to like extract anything, the, I think the piece that feels very exotic is that I worked at Comedy Central in development behind the scenes in TV, which felt like very kind of like a big get of a job unto itself. Um, yes. But ultimately, uh, I mean, I feel like I've talked about, I can't remember when I've talked about this before, but, you know, it really was, I was just someone who like... Um, On the phone with your aunt? <laughs> probably, multiple aunts. <laughs> um, no, I just, you know, I was uh, a person who couldn't have, I mean, I needed a job. <laughs> I no, had I- to have a job. And I happened into that job. I mean, I happened into it insofar as um, I was always a huge comedy nerdling and fan and grew up, Mm -hmm. like, watching. I was watching—well, it didn't grow up because it it wasn't on—I'm, like, once again, very old. But um, in my teens, was watching a lot of Ha, which is what Comedy Central was called at the time. Oh, wow. And, like, and a lot of—just any stand-up show on basic cable, that's what I was watching. So they were on VH1— and they were yeah. on Ha, and I got very obsessed that way. And then when I graduated from college, 
I had no uh, idea. You know, this is, I graduated from college in 97, so I had no yeah. idea how, uh, you know, this was before, like, people grow up. Now I feel like the young, the youngs are like, I could the just young. become a comedy writer or become the a comedy. Youngs, yes. The youngs, Well, they can go on social media they and become on, crea- instant yeah, creators. Yes, you can become an instant creator. Back then there was no instant creator job. There was no instant creator job. It just seemed like yeah. I, my mom... I uh, was a teacher, and my dad was a probation officer, and, you know, I was like, what are you going to do? Um, anyway, but because I had obsessions with those things when I graduated, I ended up uh, hustling to get a temp job. There was mm. one temp company that didn't make you take a typing test. Which one? Force One. Force mine One. Was, mine was Lori Group. And oh. it used to be, before it was Lori Group, it was Lori Girls. Oh, Lori. Well, so it's just for women, I think. <laughs> oh, man. I was that's, a Lori girl. That's right. I've always thought of you as a Lori girl. <laughs> anyway, Force One didn't make you take a typing test, and they also, um, like, had an in at, at all those little Viacom networks like MTV and Comedy Central, and I oh. said I wanted to— if I, if, I, if I could temp anywhere, I would temp at Comedy Central. This is all a very long way of saying that I basically was just someone who needed a job and then lucked into a pretty cool job that I learned a lot from— and in the course of doing that job, learned a lot about what I wanted to do. But, um, yeah, I, I I wasn't there that long before I realized, like, no, I really secretly do want to write and perform. And and I, I just have this job that I got kind of golden handcuffed at for a long time because it was affording me uh, living in New York. I remember talking to you at the time and— I was like, you are one of the funniest people on the planet. Stop. Because I've always, you were always funny. When we were in our 20s and I wasn't funny, you were funny. All right, I'm not going to do this with you. Well, that's very nice. You've always been funny. I mean, I, but no no, no one was expecting, maybe because your expectations were so low. You were always a great comic. I wasn't a Lori girl. You weren't a Lori girl by by no means. But but, uh, you were always funny. And I I was like, Jesse, I don't even know if you'd remember this. I was like, when are you going to quit your job and just be a comic? Oh, and no, I do remember. Oh, you do remember this? I do remember. Well, I have to say, I mean, just in the spirit of, like, uh, just, like, how glad I am to be talking to you right now. This is such a, like, bright spot in my— Oh, yeah. Truly been looking forward to this. But, um, no, you—I absolutely remember that. And you have always been one of the most encouraging, um, supportive— like friends and just people to have in an orbit of, yeah, I like those words from you when you were like, you could do this. I was very scared to be doing, I, I just, confidence is not my strong suit, Michael. Oh, I read the book. <laughs> no, those things I, meant I re- a lot. I, re- I read the book called Confidence is Not My Strong not Suit my by strong Jesse Klein. Suits. I'll you show know. myself, subtitle, I'll show myself out. That was a working title for a while. <laughs> no, the other working title was Husk, and then they wouldn't let me call it Husk, and I think they were probably right. But I, yeah, but I don't bring it up to, to toot my own horn for saying you were funny because you were obviously funny and everyone knew you were so funny. But I, I bring it up to say, like, you're one of the few people who you, I remember talking to you and you were like, I can't. Quit my job. <laughs> You're like, I cannot. Like, I cannot. Because I will be, comp- my parents will lose their minds and they'll be really upset. <laughs> it was less the losing of their minds. It's so funny that we do remember these conversations with <laughs> some clarity. I just, you know, I um, I think, I mean, for me, I don't want to, um, 
I don't want to, like, uh, woe is me my story in any way. Like, I, 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 it's not like I grew up in, like, horrible poverty. But I no. also I didn't feel like there was a net. And, um, and I, I felt very deeply, like, you, like, who am I to just go try to get some giggle job when my parents have <laughs> sacrificed, you know what I mean? Have sacrificed so much and, like, I can't ask them for— I just was very um, anxious about it all. And I, I, I kind of—the only reason I want to say that is because I think, like, um, I don't think it can be, like, overstated how big that is for so many people, I think, who have creative dreams and want to do these agree. things. That it's, like, money is a huge stumbling block, you know? yeah. I remember you were you worked your way up as an executive at Comedy Central, and I remember that. And you were doing stand-up. You were like nighttime job stand-up. Nighttime job stand-up, yeah. And then at the same at the same time, uh, at some point, you made a leap into being a writer producer. W- w- like, what was that pivot? And like, was that hard to do? Uh it was emotionally very hard to do. I was in therapy for years, kind of trying to find a way. I would. I'm a very risk averse person, and I um. I it takes me like like I kind of feel that I need to do something for years before I do it. I'm kind of trying to reduce the amount of time between the feeling and the doing, and I'm still averaging about five years. Oh my gosh! Um, but. Uh, so, yeah, I had to really think it through. And then um, the, like, little lucky thing that I jumped, I knew I kind of had to, like, jump to something and not just, like, a nothing. And so, um, uh, ugh, again, this is a brag, but uh, Comedy Central was doing a show, <laughs> starting up a show called The Showbiz Show with David Spade. Oh, yes, yes. And... Um, Doug Herzog, who was the president of the network, who is a just a delightful gentleman who I'm still friendly with to this day. Uh, I remember him talking to me, and I, the showrunner of that show had seen me on Best Week Ever. Oh, wow, yes. Uh, but that's a huge thing, too. That Best, was v- a, VH1 Best Week Ever in the 2000s. That was, was a, sto- a stepping stone. Well, because there was you, nothing else. You were on it, and Pete Holmes was on it. I think John Mulaney was Mulaney on it. Mulaney was on it. Yeah. Yes. There was, like, a lot. Sherrod Small was on it. Yes. Like, I'm trying to think of all the people, the Paul comics. Paul Shear was on Paul it. Paul Shear. Michael Ian maybe Black. maybe Donna Fineglass on yes. Michael Ian Black. Yes, yes, There's, like, tons of comics doing these little snippets. And I desperately wanted to get on that show. They, they did not want me. That, there was well, no interest in me. Egg on their face. Yeah. Crows. Shame face. on their home. <laughs> shame, shame, shame. <laughs> um, just go chant. Uh, anyway, so he, the, uh, anyway, the point of the Doug mention was just that he was very kind, also, just in a world of, you know, remembering specific conversations that help bump you along. And he was like, you, if they're asking you to go right on this, he was like, don't, you should get out of in-between land. He was like, go yeah. do the thing. And it was very helpful to me. I'm always grateful to him that he uh, pushed me along to accept. So anyway, that was my first writing job. And I, I sublet my New York apartment and I I went to uh, write on the show. And that was my first writing job. There's a line in your book that I love, Jesse, which is um, from a chapter called Your Husband Will Remarry Five Minutes After You Die. 
Which, sure, sure. Do we, do, Jesse, do we need to read the chapter after we've read that title? <laughs> no. No, you're all set. I mean, you still have to buy the book. <laughs> you, I mean, you have so many great chapter titles. I love this book so much. There's a chapter called In Defense of Drinking. Yeah, I, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, yeah, I'm here to defend drinking. <laughs> Clearly so, no one alone, I'm alone on this. No one else so in this country is drinking. You have a you have a uh, you have a line in this uh, chapter called "Your husband will remarry five minutes after you die," which is as a wife I can't help but notice that husbands tend to get remarried approximately five minutes after their wife's heart stops. <laughs> and the reason that I bring this up mm-hmm. is um so I think it's a generalization. I think okay. it's um. It's Are you not trying to necess- give me? Is this a hashtag not all men moment? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> This is cool. a men's ri- this is cool, my cool, men's cool. this is my men's rights <laughs> cool. uh, meeting that yes. you that you accidentally walked into. <laughs> I've got a Homer no, Simpson gif out. I'm gonna sound like I'm just shilling for my friend Jesse <laughs> because I love this book so much. Like I oh my gosh. love it and laugh out loud again and again and again, and I read uh passages to my wife, Jenny, who also loves it. Um, Husbands tend to get remarried approximately five minutes after their wife's heart stops. Yes. Made me laugh out loud so hard. I love it. (laughs) It's, of course, a generalization. What what does it take when you're doing the math of generalizing for a joke? What's the math that makes the generalization worth it? Ooh, a great question, one that could only come from the mind of Mike Birbiglia. <laughs> um, no, it is a good question. Um, no, I, I'm really, I, 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 I'm glad you're bringing this up because I feel like, you know, the book. There's a lot in the book about being a parent and specifically being a mom. But I, uh, and so I take a few swipes, <laughs> not swipes, <laughs> but I, I make some, I make some comedy generalizations that yes. might have little partial seeds and acorns of truth in them, although, of course— Partial? Partial (gasps) seeds and acorns? But all kidding aside— You mean your third third book, Partial Seeds and Acorns? (laughs) Oh, my God. That is like a title David Sedaris would think about and then toss aside. He could do so much better. Uh, No, I think—but I think the point is—my voice is getting so high. But ah, I do think about it. I I don't— I don't want—I I want men to read the book. I don't want men to feel slammed in the book. Um, I, think, I didn't feel slammed. I didn't feel slammed. Okay, I, I, I felt seen. Um, I'm glad you felt seen. Well, you are one of Lori's girls again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I do think deeply about it when I write a sentence that includes some kind of generalization. Uh, I think the only ones in this book are maybe about men, but— um, because I because I do I do think about people reading it and I do think about men reading it and feeling like is this just someone who's just being a hater and I I guess I the the comedy equation I yeah I'm like is this funny enough to bear right. to bear kind of brushing up against generalizing and hopefully the things that are made it into the final book are and then and then the little acorns you know, the things that I'm like, well, even if it's not hashtag not all men, some men, I do th- I do think, um, you know, having become a, a boy mom, uh, 
Oh, isn't that so gross when people are like girl dad, boy mom, whatever. Um, but just watching a, I have a son, and then you know I'm watching. It just changes your the way you sort of think about um, what boys are like or girls are like, and you know, I I just I, I do think men are better at compartmentalizing. Is all I'm saying. I that was no, a long I thought, walk. I thought it, that was a long walk. It was a long walk. I thought, but I but I agree with you. I I have a similar I have a similar logic that I go through because so much of comedy is making an observation and uh and and throwing it out on stage and being like, is this funny or throwing it in your <laughs> yeah? Book are you guys just so funny? mad? Are you are you furious? Yeah. But it's but what I found because I you know I wrote the new one. Uh, the new one, Painfully True Stories from a Reluctant Dad with poems Loved by J.L. Stein. Loved Thanks. it. And, and, and so I don't know if you found this, but I found writing about parenting to be the biggest third rail topic that I had ever written about. I had no idea that it would be the case. Yeah. Um, I, it's funny because uh, I don't think I've used the phrase third rail as much as I have in talking about this book. But it is, it feels, um, it does feel apt. And um, I think like part of what the book is about is 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 that I do think for, I, I can't speak to the dad experience, for the mom experience, I think it's, it feels very dangerous to say things out loud about. Yes, about parenthood. Parent, parenthood. And I think specifically for mothers to say kind of almost Anything that brushes up yes. against the notion that you're not loving every second yeah. and every yeah. dimensional aspect of being a parent feels like you are inviting being shamed as a bad mother. I'm not it's even a, joking. No, I mean, I, no, I'm, I, I'm laughing out of catharsis, yeah. not out of the joke of it. It's so true. Like it's yeah. it's, it's it's absurd. Yeah, I think it's so. Um, it's yeah. If it's really wild that I mean, even just since the book came out, it's been actually very, on the one hand, both very touching, and in some ways, it does also make me a little sad because the number of women who've written to me or who came up to me at book readings and are like, "Thank you for writing this. I feel so seen. I feel like you're saying things that I truly feel like <sighs> I'm not allowed to yes. say." And it's so, and so the sad part is just like this is so crazy that our idea of motherhood is so um, it's just so inhuman in a way that everyone no it's it's amazing that you're not allowed to have like um like what I've I guess I've been calling like an and experience which is like I love my child and I am finding <laughs> yes. and I am finding this very hard or and <laughs> and sometimes I need a break or and you know you can't That's the clip that's the clip right there <laughs> and an and, and experience I'm having this an and experience this is going to be a TikTok viral <laughs> This will viral be my sensation. big TikTok debut Keep me no, away from you're there You're absolutely right You're absolutely right though it's like in in my book the new one in my show there's like this dark night of the soul moment where I say I can't believe my own thought. I get, at this really low moment, I think, I get why dads leave. And I go, I'm not going to do it, but I get it. And a majority of people, like you're saying, they go, I feel seen by that. Because they're like, you're saying this dark thing that you felt and you're not going to do. And But then like this very small group of people, because eventually, you know, if you put something out in the world, enough people see it where some people are like, no. 
I hate you for saying this thing that makes me feel bad or feel like you're a bad dad and want to judge your, you being a dad. And what's amazing is like, I actually think that's the best part of the book and the best part of the show. Yeah. I mean, it's so interesting because I, um, yeah, I, I related to that. And I think like if the amount of blowback I think that a woman would get for saying that, like, you think yes. about leaving is— You'd get more. Yeah. One million times more just because—and again, hashtag—I'm going to have to keep hashtagging not all dads. But, like, clearly, culturally— I don't think you understand how hashtags work. I don't. Culturally, <laughs> and I'm fine with it, societally, like, a lot of dads leave, you know? I mean, <laughs> no, I, uh, we yes. all know people—like, we know. So, I know so many people whose dads left. Like, yeah. A ton. I mean, I Very could common. probably yeah, yeah. tick them off. I can't think of one person I know whose mom, whose mom left. It's just not. Um, it's it's just like a. It just feels unimaginable. But uh, that is not to say that moms don't also have that feeling. I think it's you would be crazy to not because it's so hard, um, and it's you, okay you, you, to just admit. I think it takes so much pressure off. I just, I think I, the sadness I feel is that I think women feel like that's such a deep secret they have to hold, that they have that feeling. And, I mean, there's nothing worse in the world than feeling like you have, like, a dark secret. It's terrible. And if if I think if women were just allowed to say, like, this is an absolutely normal thing that we all feel, I, I think it would lift, like, a tremendous amount of shame and guilt off of people. I I totally agree. Like when I'm reading your book, I'm like, literally, this is the reason for comedy. This book, <laughs> no, for real, for real. I'm like, I'm like, th- people need to read books like this to have a catharsis of like, oh, it's not just me in a parking lot, you know, listening to Lemonade before <laughs> the store opens uh, for to pick up a like a toy for my son or whatever. Feeling like I don't I don't know what the exact toy was or whatever. But. It was balloons. I screwed up oh, his birthday, for the birthday party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forgot how <laughs> balloons work. Among all the hashtags, I don't know how they work. Balloons, I don't know how they work. I'm really quite, yes. quite stupid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, but but reading that is just like there's so many of those moments in your book. It's just chock full. It's just wall to wall truisms, things that are true to you that you're confessing to the audience and it's cathartic. Um, well, that's so, I, that's really means a lot. I, again, I, especially from you and having watched, watched your show about parenting and feeling like you also like, you know, were so vulnerable, uh, saying the things that, like you just said, like people react (laughs) They don't always like it, but but I think way more people are appreciative that, like, something has been said, you know, uh, yeah. Well, you were saying in your book, in the drinking chapter, this is the uh, in defense of drinking chapter? Yes. That you had some pushback from when you published in your last book a, a chapter about when you got an epidural. Yes. What was the pushback like? Like what? Like what was it? It was just a chapter urging women to, uh, you know, if you're think if you're on the fence, uh, to if you're gonna have a a baby to get that get that epidural, and um, which was something I knew that I wanted from the jump. Yeah. Um, 
and basically told, you know, well, I could go on and on, but the, the short of it to your question was um, that chapter was, um, okay, I'm about to say a word that I have so much trouble saying, excerpted. Okay, excerpted. okay wow, wow. It was excerp- excerpted. This is getting very, very <laughs> sophisticated. It was in, the, it was uh, before the book came out, it ran in the New York Times and like Week in Review as like an opinion piece. And um, it kind of went around and uh, it got, like, way more comments than, you know, it just a lot of people were weighing in on it. And I would say about 65% of the comments were, like, mainly women just saying, thank you for writing this, and Aww. this is so nice. But then the remainder were, there was a lot of the anger. <laughs> yeah. Remember, did you notice how I wasn't quite sure what I like 65 that. What's the remainder? 65 out of 100? 35. The remaining 35%? Yep, yep. I got so nervous, I just said the remainder. I meant the 35%. 35% were uh, people kind of yelling at me that I was like a bad mom for getting an epidural. There were a lot of men telling me about what their wives did (laughs) Um, and how amazing their wives were, that they had quote-unquote natural births. And I was like, it's so interesting that you're the one who has the time to get online and yell at me. God. Uh, yeah, so people annoying. were mad. People got mad just saying that, just for, just for me saying, I think, like, getting uh, pain medication that's readily available to help with labor, people were mad just at that and saying I was a bad mom because of that. Like, why have a child if you're going to, like, if, if you're going to do that? <laughs> How do you possibly compartmentalize that? Me? Yeah, because, I mean, I, I can't. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I, I literally, like, when people say stuff, like, about the new, you know, in the new one, I'm basically like, I have a really hard time being a dad. And sometimes every now and then people are like, yeah, you suck at being a dad. I'm like, well, easy. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't I, want, I, really, say, I don't want to fight. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm sorry, I, um, no, I I'm think. Like, I'm always like, I told you. Well, <laughs> well I'll tell you. I mean, I think um, what... It's not what helps what, or what's nice in a world of like, like you were saying, like what's comedy for, like extracting from that, like why am I here? What am I doing? Like why yeah. am I trying to be an art, an artist? There, I'll say it. I think we're artists. Wow, wow. Um, is like to this day, I still also have women saying to me, "Thank you for writing that," and I forwarded this to like my you know, my sister who's about to have a baby or wow. my daughter who's about to have a baby. And, like, I I, I hear, I still hear from a lot of women, thank you for writing that. And that 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 gets you sort of through that, all that. Yeah, I mean, I also, it's, like, you know, in a world where, you know, we live in hell, I'm like, I can, sur- I can survive people, <laughs> like, some dumb men nattering at me online. <laughs> Fine. You're probably most often recognized from putting a pizza pillow around my neck in a movie. Sleep I up with am. Me, right? Oh my god, yes, I am. <laughs> I get stopped in the street all the time. It's. Um, do you have a positive memory? Do you, I remember filming that. Um, it was the most fun I've ever had in my life. It was weird. You sprayed me with real tomato sauce. I sprayed you with real tomato sauce using. Speaking of, uh, you know, an amazing crew, prop people. Uh, yeah, the I mean, prop that, master was amazing. That was like there was a lot of science and there was STEM, science, technology, engineering, math <laughs> went into there that. There was STEM for sure. Tomato sauce spew spewer. Well, it was a whole mechanism where you were spraying me with like a hose of 
tomato sauce, and then around my neck. For people who haven't seen the movie Sleepwalk with me, there's a dream sequence where so Jesse— So for no one. <laughs> for Jesse— so Jesse for nobody. Puts a, Jesse puts an actual pizza pillow around my neck in the context of a dream because she's another comedian and my subconscious, that's what happens. And uh, and then we're like almost going to make out and then you spray me with tomato sauce. That's the whole scene. Um, and, uh, what a scene. But it's a riot. I know it was, I mean, it was truly, um, it was just so fun. It's such a crazy, it's such a crazy thing that we did that. <laughs> it's very, very strange. It's I mean, strange. when will our kids watch this movie? Well, and when will a, they get married? Question. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. What has happened to this interview? Okay, so this is the thing we do called the slow round. What's your earliest memory when you're a kid? Wowzies. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about just my earliest memory in general. There's a few images. I feel like um, I remember, like, sitting on my grandmother's lap at one point and, like, nuzzling in my grandmother. And then, like, I always like to, like, I like touching, like, earlobes and, like, you know, I was touching, like, the inside of her arm Aww. and noticing that, like, her skin was, like, really loose because she was the whole oh, person. Yeah, sure. And I was like, what's going on here? Right. What is this? What are bodies? What are bodies doing? Uh, I remember that, being fascinated by my grandmother's old inner arm skin. I remember, um, gosh, that's, like, an early one. I remember also— I remember a moment where I must have been in my crib and I had a bad dream of some kind and woke up and there was like um, some kind of plant casting a shadow on the wall and uh, just being terrified uh, of a plant casting a shadow on the wall and thinking like, that's a monster. What can I do? How do I get out of Like something. I remember, I mean, I just remember being like, I am rat fucked by this plant shadow. I'm so, so you've, scared. You've avoided the question by answering with scenes from Pixar films. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a reason Pixar does so well. <laughs> they really, they really nail what we all have. Uh, what is your, in your family, uh, in your family growing up, what was your role? Woof. Um, well, I— <laughs> Are these—is this woof to the questions or woof to the answers? I don't know. It might be both. <laughs> I am a very uh, classic—I uh, think classic middle child. Like, I uh, I was always trying to be the peacekeeper and make people laugh and uh, have a good time and, and yeah. just trying to—yeah, trying to—hey, sp- everyone— <laughs> Let's let's all chill yeah. out, right? Keep it light. Let's keep it hey, light. Let's keep it light. Let's light. keep it light. Has anyone heard? Uh, let's just let's just do Thanksgiving. <laughs> no, that's a woof. <laughs> yeah, that was my that was very much. I think my my role was to just try to keep it light, not make waves. Let's just get through this. One of the funniest things about being your friend and knowing you so long is here is talking to you in this context of an interview that 
on the page, you're so confident in your words. And then like, <laughs> and then I asked you're like, you and then you're like, a shit interview. You're a no, mess. No, no, no. Now you're a shit interview. That I'm like, what's your role in your family? And you're like, uh, what? <laughs> it's like, you... <laughs> No. Your response is so different from this persona in this the, book. No, the wolf, the wolf was just thinking. I was, I think, I honestly just immediately <laughs> went to, to the to the trauma place of remembering the various uh, fights and static I was breaking up all the time. What's the best piece of advice you've been given in your life that you used? <laughs> My. <laughs> This is also very funny because it's like, oh, we're having a banter, fun, fun, fun. And then you're like, (laughs) Proust questionnaire (laughs) with no ramp. What's the best piece of advice in your life ever that you've used? (laughs) Christ. (laughs) Is it Proust? No, it's Proust. I think Proust is right. What's your, if you say yours, maybe I'll remember mine. Do you know yours off the top? I feel like if you say some things, I think the best piece of advice I've been given was I had a screenwriting professor in college who goes, just make, just make these scripts that you're, that you're writing. Just make a short film. Just, just make a thing and then you'll understand what it is. And so I made like for essentially like, I made like a no budget short film in college that was a debacle. <laughs> and it was, a, Jesse, I can't tell you. I need to see this. It was so this. bad. Get it to no, me. No, no. Get it, it to me. So, it was so bad that the editor stole the tapes, the <laughs> mini DV tapes, and never returned them. No. That's how bad it was. So these are out stole, there somewhere? Oh, yeah, they're out there on the, they're on, they're on the black market. Oh, man. I would yeah. pay any amount of money under yeah. $200 to see these. <laughs> under $200. Yeah, no, that was the best piece of it, is, is like sort of do instead of sort of like ponder, essentially. Oh, my God. I feel like you just yeah. changed the course of my life with that advice. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is that is like, I think, the thing I struggle with the most. That's such good advice. For real? Oh, I ponder way too much. I feel like, um, yeah, I, I'm in my head about doing something just it's yeah it's a huge i'm not um it really affects my i mean i think it's also just i accept a little bit that's who i am like i'm 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 a hand ringer i'm not super prolific i've tried to get better at it i will say i will say that's one thing i also did learn from working with amy schumer for so many years because she's so good at just doing something like just making something and she's a great creator she's a great creator and just like is impulsive in a very good way about just following, like, let's just do something. I mean, I think in some ways that was why, like, we had a good balance of stuff. Yeah. Um, did you have, like, a an odd personality from your childhood who you knew that you think about a lot still as a grown-up? Uh, yes. I mean, also, I grew up in, like, in the village in the 80s, and so, like, oh. everyone around us was really weird all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it was a real environment to be in. It's a little, uh, I mean, I'm, yeah, it's a little hard to describe, but it was just such a specific time and place. It was like super, super artsy, right? The village in the 80s? Yeah, I mean, I think now people think of it, you know, it's become so, like, mollified, and um, yeah. it wasn't like that at all, and it was a lot of artists, and but also, also like, New York City in the 80s. <laughs> like, it was yeah. a little more... Drugs? A, a lot of drugs, uh, some, yeah, but just a lot of characters. 
Let's just say there were a lot of characters walking the around. Other night, the other night I was walking by the comedy cellar and this guy goes, um, you wanted Coke, right? I swear to God. <laughs> you wanted Coke? I go, no. He goes, I, he goes I was thinking of someone else. <laughs> I was thinking you know of someone else. That's, that's so, a good way to sell Coke. That's, that's so a good way funny to sell Coke. Because I also feel you like you want a Coke, right? You do sort of like as a like a gestalt of a person, you're like one frame away from a guy from looking like a guy who's doing a lot of Coke. Sure. You know, sure. there's like a certain Mike Birbiglia type just one edge over who is Walking around the village getting Coke to this day. Wall Street Mike Birbiglia does Coke. Wall Street, like a Wall Show Street Mike Show business Mike Birbiglia does not use Coke. No. Some of the thing we do on the show is we work out material. And this is sort of half-baked things, ideas, things I'm working on, things in my notebook. I love it. And we can talk about what it makes you think of. We can talk about what could be better about it, what what could be worse. Here to riff. Here to riff. Here to riff. Um, my dad, in the same sentence, will say, I hate computers and can you fix my computer? <laughs> You know, my mom, who's very, she's on her computer all day now. She is like a real, she's on the internet. Yeah. She, I find this very cute and sweet. She will call, she refers to her computer as computer. (laughs) 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 So she's like, oh. Like Siri, like computer. Well, if I call her, like sometimes I'll be like, she's like, can I call you back? I'm just on computer right now. Oh, she's on computer. It's so sweet. Um, so my we so my brother and I often have my my dad at the Apple Genius Bar, and uh, it's hard to explain to your dad that you don't have seventy minutes free in the middle of the day to configure his SMTP server <laughs> and figure out his Apple password. <laughs> and I'm sure Joe and I have this hunch that at Apple Genius Support, there's a photo of my dad, like at at the grocery (laughs) store. There's a list of people not to take personal checks from. Oh, my God. But it says, says, uh, do not help this guy install printer drivers. He does not know what a printer driver is. In fairness to your dad, it's way harder than it should be. It is. It's way harder than it should be. You know when you, like, encounter... Like some piece of technology, or just something that, like, like when a printer just works. I mean, <laughs> it's like an orgasm. You're like, oh, it just worked. Oh my it god, it feels that's that is <laughs> so dead on. You know what? Because it almost never happens. It's, yes. It is like it's like a one night stand, like an amazing oh one god. night stand. Where like someone yeah. just knew exactly how to touch me. <laughs> yes, that's it's like me and so that printer perfect. just. Our bodies fit together. That's great. I mean, of course, and that if it does, if it does become a bit, that's one of a one of the great tactics I think of joke writing is like, what are the different points of view? Is like playing the playing the point of yes. making fun of my dad, but then the counterpoint of like, he's right. 
you know, it never works. You got to use every part, use every part of the animal. I love that. Nose to tail. <laughs> and then I have this thing about my dad, which is that like my dad's one of these people who maybe shouldn't have a cell phone. Like he only uses speakerphone and he <laughs> sort of shouts into it, like w- regardless of who's around. It's like a walkie talkie. He'll be like, I'm at the Olive Garden, over. <laughs> oh my God. You know, my dad still doesn't have a cell phone. He oh, won't. that's a that's a refreshing. I think no, it really. It's like you're out on. They they're still in New York City. He's you know he's like going to be 82. I'm like, could you could you maybe just get a get a cell phone? That's better than a father with two cell phones. You know, <laughs> I will say, <laughs> does he have two? No, no. My mom has like five email accounts. Oh and yeah, I I could see that. I just have one. I'm like I have, or I guess I have too but really like i don't care but she's like she's so she's like on on like a primal defensive stance about like what could come into that inbox she's just like no that's for this i'm like it feels a little it is a little drug dealer-ish i'm like what are you dodging that's very funny yeah no we all maybe we all like have an email account that we're going to discover someday and it's like those were the real emails (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Where, yeah. Oh my God, oh my all God. along it was Mike Berbiglia at Gmail. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, an e- it's like an email from Steven Spielberg, like I love your work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I will say I as, you know, talking about you know, being a parent and getting to be like a middle-aged or not getting to be, I'm fully middle-aged person, but um I am real. I am like genuinely so bad at technology. Like I just feel myself. There are the things where I'm like, this is where it begins. Like I don't know how to yeah. do this or that, and I I'm so like embarrassed, and I'm also kind of accepting of like, let the long slide begin. Some, yeah, uh, some younger person will help me with it. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Tell me if this is a joke. This, I wrote this in my notebook. Okay, I'll tell you. I've never woken up and thought today's going to be fantastic. I consistently wake up and think I should make a list. <laughs> you because, know, uh, wait, are there if, more? Oh, sorry, I was already yeah, Well, that's like the joke part. And then the rest is like me being like the rest of my thought process, which is like, because otherwise I'm going to forget to do anything at all. <laughs> Maybe I should stay in bed. This is all very I scary. Mean, that feels like, it feels great as the beginning of a book yeah. or a show to just be like, of I something. never wake up and think this is going to be fantastic. This is dark, 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 dark. But I remember Please. a Mark Marin. this was like seeing Mark Marin at like Luna Lounge in 1924. <laughs> but, <laughs> I recall. Um, some, back in the 20s at Luna Lounge, I just remember him seeing like, him talking about how anxious he feels and like how everything is, feels so unbearable and He's so miserable. And then at one point he's like, and then he's like, and then I'll just remember, oh, I I just get calm. And I think, oh, I could always kill myself. (laughs) Oh, yes. And I was like. I remember that. I remember that joke. And I was like, it was, I mean, I'm not, I'm not telling you well. But he, I mean, you know, the way Mark can do what Mark does. It was. No, Mark. It was like a very, it encapsulated Mark's Markness. I was lucky enough to see Mark at Luna Lounge in the 90s. Because uh, my sister Gina introduced me to all that kind of alt comedy scene, Gina. and he was he was really on fire. 
He was, I mean, he in, was, in, in those kinds of rooms, like the 70 people packed in a room in the East Village, holy cow. That was like what I spent, I mean, so I started working at Comedy Central as a, as an assistant uh, in 1998. And so I would just go, I would just go be at Luna Lounge all the time and see like, you know, just see Mark and Sarah Silverman. Sarah Silverman. And Zach Alfanakis used to drop in. Um, Ross Broccoli. You remember Ross Broccoli? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> Reverend Jen. Reverend. There was like that was the first yeah. time I ever did stand up was uh, at Reverend Jen's uh, open mic that you paid two dollars to participate in. I think it's possible you and I were on a Luna Lounge lineup together. I think it's entirely possible. Yeah, I, I, I recall something like Wait, that. Wait, I want to we'll hear more of, of what you're working out. All right, so so then this uh, this is a half an idea. The other night I had sex in my dream. Count it. I, um, <laughs> count it. Is that a punchline? Oh, count it. yes, it absolutely is. The, it uh, counts. It, the count it. And, uh, and I had sex with someone in my dream. And a few hours later, I woke up and I ran into the person at a coffee shop on my corner. And I thought, I just had sex with you in my dream. <laughs> and what I said was, nice to see you. And now I'm suspicious of anyone who says nice to see you. <laughs> you know, all right, I love all of that. Also, <laughs> I I had a dream. I can't remember. In the last few years, I had a dream where I, I was, I, I truly, I would say if I can, I cannot remember who the object of, of the dream was, but yes. some, some, real some man yes. and i was uh anyway i was masturbating in the dream and oh. then i like because i was so attracted to the guy then i woke up and i was like you loser you don't even like let yourself just like have sex with the person in your own dream you're still like jerking off in your dream so i honestly i was like that is that is pathetic Pathetic. Oh, I love that. Pathetic. Um, no, I had one where I, in a, I, I had sex in a dream, or I was about to have sex in a dream, and I said to the person, I think this isn't going to work out, because even in my fantasies, I know my limitations. <laughs> I. This is a true story. I... Uh, I once had a dream. So my husband's from Boston. He's like a huge Patriots fan, whatever. Um, it's like a huge Tom Brady fan. Anyway, I, I had a dream. I truly had a dream that my husband was having sex with Giselle. Oh. Uh, and then, like, and it was so vivid. Tom Brady's wife, Tom Brady's wife, Tom maybe? Brady's wife, Tom Brady's current wife. Okay. I woke up and had that, you know, it's like when things are so vivid and I was like mad. And and, um, and I told my I told my husband about it. And I had a dream we were having sex with Giselle. I'm really mad at you. And he goes, "I would never do that to Tom Brady." Oh, that's too good. Fine oh. to ruin my life. Oh, would I not love do that. it to Tom. Whatever, Tom. Um, tell me if this is anything. Okay. I was in an airport bathroom, and there was a man at the urinal with one hand holding his phone and the other hand. Uh, holding his penis, and he was on speakerphone, and the accuracy of his penis was uh, very low. <laughs> he was not hitting the urinal all that much. And he shouted into the phone, 
I'm at baggage claim. And I thought this man needs to be more honest with himself about his life. (laughs) This is not a true story. True story. Absolutely true story. That's straight to the notebook. I don't know about you, Jesse, but like I just write it all down. You got to write it all down. It's all like, I mean, a lot of these things, like, I don't have a joke, really. It's just sort of a half thought, and then maybe it becomes something later. Well, I, I still haven't remembered the life-changing advice I've received, even though I feel like I've gotten so much good advice over the years. But one piece of advice uh, that I do give to wh- when asked, which is almost never, <laughs> but um, <laughs> to aspiring uh, comedians, writers, what have you, is that— uh, you must not just write everything down, but you must write it down as quickly as possible because you yes, will. Yes, I agree. You will forget. You yes. will forget. Even the thing where you're like, "There's no way I'm going to forget this." I know I want to write about this. I know I want to make a joke about this. It's so funny to me. It's such a crazy thing. I will absolutely you remember. Down. You will write still forget. Right. <laughs> you will write still forget. It down. You will still write forget. It down. You've got to write it down. <laughs> write it. Turn me into a muppet. <laughs> Write it down. I feel like this is us. Write it down. (laughs) Write it down. Write it down. This feels like the dynamic of being at a baseball stadium where, like, half the stadium is trying to start (laughs) start the wave (laughs) and the other half, like, won't accept the wave. Okay. I'm going to end on this because I think this is right up your alley in terms of just subject matter, especially with your book, I'll Show Myself Out, which is brilliant. Uh I feel so lucky to have found my wife, Jenny, and we both feel like we married up which I feel like is the great illusion that keeps marriages together. And and recently we were we were at dinner with a couple and they said we both married down. <laughs> and I thought you shouldn't be married. Wow. That's the second woof. I know it's a woof, right? I mean, knowing both you and Jenny, I will say uh, one of you did marry up, and it was you. <laughs> it was you. That's a hundred percent true. Um, she's a full a queen. Uh, no, she's a queen. You're both amazing, yeah. but she's you know she's a queen, and you married up. Um, she's unbelievable. Yeah, she's no, unbelievable. She's, uh, I always say about Jen, and I've I've never been able to formulate this into a jo- or a joke or even a piece of poetry that that um. When I see a film or a play or read a book, there's no one's opinion on earth I want to hear more than than my wife, Jenny. She's so brilliant. I Will you help me remember? So when I saw your show, you read some of her poetry in the yes. show. And she has, there are like maybe four lines of poetry in my life that like, <laughs> like, I mean, I love poetry, but that penetrate into my brain and like hit my like explode in my soul, you know? And she had that line about um, everything else is outer space. What's the first part of the line? A newborn rests her head on the earth of mother and father. Everything else is outer space. Decimatingly good. That's a J-Hope Stein original. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you, Jenny, for writing it. Married up. The final thing that we do in the show is called Working It Out for a Cause. And we donate or I donate to an organization that you think is doing a good job. We link to them in the show notes. We encourage people to donate to them as well. Um, Well, I love to donate um, to any 
pro-gun safety cause. Um, there's obviously Moms Demand Action is a great one. Um, yes, Moms Demand Action. Moms Demand Action or Every Town. Okay. Yes. We will we will contribute to both. Love uh, that. We have we have in the past Bill Hader, uh, he he suggested Every Town last year. He's been giving to them for a long time. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll give to those both because 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 uh, clearly. They're they're doing uh, great work in a time that is completely completely uh, horrifying. Um, Jesse, I love your book. Thank you. It's so beautiful. You you you're just doing God's work with this comedy writing. Oh my gosh! Well, thanks for encouraging me uh, in 1928. No, I'm being silenced. I'm being silenced. As a woman, oh, I'm being silenced. Okay, we have, okay, we have to give it in. <laughs> no, Peter, I, we're keeping it in. It means in. a lot when your peers encourage you, and I thank you, and thank you for having me on your podcast. This is awesome. Cutting it out. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Sorry, we're uh, cutting it out. Um, that is that is a perfect sketch unto itself. Just a man being like cutting it. No, every time you try to speak, no, it's going to be cut. Working it out because it's not done. We're working it out because there's no That's going to do it for another episode of Working It Out. Jessie Klein, uh, again, I, I couldn't recommend more highly her book, which is called I'll Show Myself Out. Get it at your local bookstore. Support your local bookstores out there. Our producers of Working It Out are myself, along with Peter Salamone and Joseph Berbiglia, consulting producer Seth Barish, sound mix by Ben Cruz, supervising engineer Kate Belinsky, sound and video recording by Gary Simons, Josiah Kozier, and David Urzua, associate producer Mabel Lewis. Thanks to my consigliere Mike Berkowitz, as well as Marissa Hurwitz and Josh Upfall. Special thanks to Jack Antonoff and Bleachers for their music. As always, a very special thanks to my wife, the poet J. Hope Stein. You can follow her on Instagram at J. Hope Stein. Of course, a special thanks to my daughter, Una, who created the original Radio Fort and taught me about so many things, but, but sound, sound as well. Thanks most of all to all of you who are listening. Tell your friends, tell your enemies. I mean, if you, I mean, look, we, we don't have a lot of enemies in, in this life, if we're lucky, but let's say you, let's say you find yourself uh, at, the, at the grocery store and you spot some blueberry muffins and you reach for them and then someone else touches those blueberry muffins at the exact same time and they're gorgeous they're gorgeous muffins and you make eye contact and I what, I what I'm urging you to do is is to do the right thing and slowly pull your hand away and then make eye contact and say I want to tell you about a comedy podcast where comedians share their process and they work out new jokes We're working it out, everybody. We'll see you next time.